Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, A quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her. A report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them. And a matchmaking survey you could fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. Do you know how your energy makes women feel when you're around them? The energy we radiate is a big deal. Whether we're dating, working with clients, making new friends, or trying to improve the relationships we have with family members, regardless of what we say and do on the outside, people around us can still feel our inner energy. But the thing is that people in our lives aren't directly gonna tell us if our energy makes them uncomfortable. Because first of all, a lot of times we don't know because we feel each other's energy subconsciously. And sometimes we're so stuck in our heads that we don't notice outwardly how another person makes us feel. But second of all, we don't wanna make anyone feel bad and it could be socially awkward to tell another person that their energy is off or misaligned or strange or doesn't feel good to be around. People just don't tell each other those things. But guess what? Animals tell us. Animals are extremely sensitive to people's energy. And of all the domesticated animals, guess which ones are the most sensitive to people's energy? Well, apparently it turns out that it's horses. In fact, expert horse trainers don't really just train horses. Good trainers have to train the riders and the handlers themselves because those people's energy is gonna have the most impact on how the horse behaves. And so believe it or not, a good horse trainer is really also an expert at teaching people how we can be more energetically aligned in our core. And learning how to align our energy can help in all areas of our life, from dating and love and romance, to career success, to family cohesion, and to social popularity. And in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I interview Michaela Kerbel, a badass lesbian horse whisperer who has 25 years of experience, not just training horses, but also training women horse owners to align the energy from their core with everything else they do. Michaela Kerbel has been rehabilitating troubled horses and their stressed out owners for 25 years. Through her own journey of loss and redemption, Michaela has developed a method for core transformation for horses and humans, healing anxieties, fears, doubts, and overwhelm. Michaela now focuses on coaching women to reclaim their strength, confidence, and ability to speak up for themselves. Her mission is to help women connect with the wild horse inside of them and to follow its call. You can learn more about her at horseconnect.com. But before you do, please stick around for this interview with Michaela Kerbel. 
Hi, Michaela. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, Jordana. Thanks for having me. So let's start from the very beginning, how you got connected with horses. Let's tell your story. How did you get involved with yes. horses? Well, actually, it was my, my parents. Um, I do have a twin brother, so we both liked horses. And uh, our parents, they just thought, hey, let's get a little stud, a little stallion. We didn't have any clue whatsoever. I mean, we just we didn't know anything. But uh, we got into that. And did you have him... Did you have him on land or did you own land where you were doing or were you going to stables? No, we, we actually had a little piece of uh, land behind our house. And uh, so we had um, about uh, at the top, we had four horses right behind our house. So we, we cared, we, we cleaned the stalls, we, we, they were out in the pasture. I mean, we, we managed that. So we didn't have to drive anywhere. We just uh, had him right next to us. That's so cool. Which was pretty cool. Living yeah, in New York and, and City, then, that know, seems like a dream. It just seems like so far out yeah. to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in the city of Woodenburg, that's right. So we were actually living in a little village, and that was that was okay. We, we were able to do that, and there was enough space. And I was really inter- interested, and I was into the horses, and I actually spent every spare minute with the horses. I didn't have many friends, Um it was one of these, um, yeah, I, I was pretty much um, a maverick person, you know, not um, getting involved with other people much, just had my horses. And um, I just took pretty much every opportunity to go to seminars, weekend seminars. I spent my vacation at horse trainers just to learn more. That was my world. So... I was actually also drawn, um, and there was. I remember when when I spent some some vacations at some horse stables uh, with trainers. I was always drawn to horses that were a little bit difficult. I mean, not the easy ones. And I was never out um, wanting to to go to competitions like win ribbons and stuff like that. There was really nothing I wanted, like. You know, girls at my age dealing with horses, they wanted to go out on horse shows and, and you know, look good and stuff like that. That was never my thing. I felt drawn to those troubled horses. But back then, I didn't know how to help them. But I always wanted to learn it. And I remember one day, I think I was in maybe sixth, seventh grade or something. My teacher, she asked me what I want to become when I'm grown up. And I said, I want to become a horse trainer. <laughs> you know, I just want to become a horse trainer. And um, yeah, and that's what I did. And um, sounds like you already were while, one back then. It's so well, in my mind, in my mind, probably. Yeah. I'm always I just think it's so great people who knew by the time they were 12 or 13, what they wanted to be for yes. the rest of their life. It's yeah. such a privilege, because you really have your whole yes. life to get your 10,000 hours of mastery. And then you get to be a master yeah. by the time you're really young. Yeah. Well, that's what I. That's when I went to all those different trainers here in Germany and in Europe. And then after school, we do have like 13 grades. Um, after, that's our high school. Then I said, I, I want to go to the States. I want to go to the place where the real horse trainers are, the, the real cowboys, so to speak. And where are they? Where are the real cowboys in the States? I don't know that. Where are they? Well, I mean, there's, I mean, a lot of the real cowboys, they are, um, they can be found anywhere. They could be found in, in Idaho, in Montana, Wyoming, Texas, California, Oregon. And I started out in California. 
And um, I mean, it was not the cowboys who were um, like chasing cows, you know, just pushing them from one pasture to the next. Um, it was horse trainers. I was out for horse trainers who were dealing with those kind of horses. And who is and, and um, where where do they even find these horses? Like, who are these horses that are difficult in the first place? Where are they coming from? Well, a lot of times these horses, um, they have been. I mean, horses don't. They are not born troubled. <laughs> like you know, we don't. People are not born troubled. Horses are not born troubled. They are made to the. You know, they. They, um, they, they change to that state and there's a lot of show horses that are just burned out. They are just sour. They, they hate their jobs and then they develop, um, a lot of behavior issues, bad behavior. They may get dangerous or they just shut down what I just said before. So there's a lot of horses that have gone through a lot of pressure before and they end up being troubled. Or there's another one. It's also horses that have been um, not had, had any pressure. I mean, horses that know no boundaries, like those kids, they're spoiled rotten. The same with horses. If you don't show a horse boundaries, they're going to run over the top of you. And they can also really become really troubled. So... Um, the problem with these troubled horses there, you say that horses are not born troubled. I'm not so sure that I'm convinced that people are not ever born troubled. We can have that. Well, conversation I mean, there's another probably, day, I do think yeah, there's probably exceptions, are. you know, yeah. like when they're like have mental issues, um, or like some kind of illnesses, mental diseases. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think some people are born troubled. I don't know about animals, but, um, are there still wild horses? Yes, yes, there are. Where? There's still a lot of wild horses. Um, Texas, Idaho, I think Mexico, um, Oregon, I think there's some wild horses. And there's actually some special wild horse programs um, from the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management. They round up, I don't know how many Mustangs every year, round them up, and they have them in like holding pens and then they have auctions where people can buy them because they they just eat down the grass so they have to actually they're not allowed to to kill them anymore so they have to they they just gather them and um yeah but that's also not too nice no uh, that's terrible i can't believe they're wild yes. horses and then they lose their freedom i was so excited for them for yeah. a minute um yeah, and, but yeah, it's bad about they the grass just eat too much grass yeah but, but that's what they say. They eat too much grass and then Is it that they eat too much grass or that we have too much development? I'm not really sure. But... Yeah. It's it's probably both. It's probably both. Yeah. Um and there's a lot of these wild horses then stuck in those holding facilities, you know, for a long time. And then they have to go from being totally wild to being totally trained. Yeah. Have you ever worked with one of those? That's probably really crazy. Well, I've worked with um, a couple of wild horses in Namibia. In Africa, yeah, they also have wild horses, and uh, I worked with some of those, and that was very, very special. That was one of my most valuable experiences in my life, I have to say. Tell me about it. I, I mean, I can't imagine what it must be like to have this creature that goes from totally wild to totally to to then domesticated. How did you end yeah. up there, and what was it like? Well, it was actually when I had a my big life crisis when I was thirty nine. 
I, I saw this ad. Um, do you want to tame wild horses in Namibia? And I thought, gosh, this is just what I need now. So I packed my bag and went over there for just four weeks. It was not much, just four weeks. I stayed there and um, I was responsible for for a bunch of horses there. And they were wild. I mean, they were sushi raw, right? Nobody has ever had a hand on them. They were raw. And they were running out on that big field. I mean, huge. You cannot imagine. This is huge. And in total, they had about 250 wild horses running around. So they rounded up 20. And then I was working with about seven or eight during that time. And the interesting thing was with these wild horses. And and this is why I came to this concept with the wild horse inside of us. Because these wild horses are the essence of nature. They have no crap on their heart stick. Nothing, you know. They're just pure. They are pure. There is no shit on them. They are just nature. And when you work with nature, with the true nature, then it's easy. (laughs) And I was surprised. I mean, first of all, of course, those horses are wild. And, you know, you want to go into the pen, into the paddock with them. And they first thing they do, they run away from you because they're scared. It's like, what are you doing here? You you haven't been here before. Don't touch me. And so they, they, they... point their their hind end to you they don't want to kick you they just protect themselves so you have to sort of build a connection with them and be really easy and and then after a while you see that they become really curious because they kind of think i want to know that person but they're very very um in a way electric they they react really fast you know because they're so close to this survival instinct so whenever they feel threatened you know it, you know, you have to be really slow. You have to be very careful, but not in a way, um, you, you cannot try to kind of hide stuff. Like when it's about putting the halter on them the first time, because they have never been halter broke, right? They, nobody ever put a halter on them. And then you cannot just hide a halter behind your back and just kind of overpower them. This is not. And the halter is what, no. what it's what holds their mouth clothes or something? No, or the halter is something that goes over the head and then you can put a lead rope on him and lead him. So it's kind of what what dogs have as their their collar. So you can actually lead him around. Yeah. So what fascinated me so much that they were very, very skeptic in the beginning, very skeptic, but also very curious. And when you were really I mean, you watch them. This, I think horse training is like 70, 90% watching, just observing, just observing what they do. And, and then they, they start to connect with you. They sniff on your hand and then you withdraw and you, you let them kind of search you. And then after a while, you can put the halter on and then you can start leading them around and then you can start touching them. And then it goes really fast. Have you ever heard of... Um... Have you ever heard of neuro-linguistic programming, NLP? Yes. There's a concept in, in neuro-linguistic programming called you go first. Okay. Which is the idea that if you want to um, help someone get into an emotional state or if you want someone to feel something or if you want some, like if, if you want to help someone change in a certain way, they say you go first. Mm-hmm. So if you um, want people to be excited, you have to act excited. Or if you want people to be, you know, if you want yes. more passion in the room, you bring the passion. So it's interesting that, yes. y- you know, your curiosity, your observation, you watching them 
mm-hmm. causes the horse then to, so it's sort of like you led the horse into curiosity by your watching and observing. Yes, that's, that's absolutely right. And this is also really a concept I can really sign a hundred percent. It's um, you have to like Lisa Nichols, she puts it so well. She says, you have to put in some skin. You have to put in some skin. When you want to get something back, you want to get want to get a certain reaction. You have to put in some skin first, and that's with horses. What does that it's, really mean? Dive with, more into that. What is what does that really mean? Put yeah, it, it really means what you just said actually with the NLT. Like you have to go first. You have to if you if you want trust from the horse, if you want respect from the horse, you go out and you respect the horse first. You trust the horse first. You follow the horse first. You do all the things that you actually want at the end. You actually do first. And it works. It probably works in all and areas of life. Yes, yes. But with horses, especially the wild ones, it is so powerful because um, they react one-on-one. Like with a lot of troubled horses, with a lot of domesticated horses, there's so many layers between the nature and and what people put on over time. You know, Then it's not the real horse you're talking to it's all those different programmings they they have on all those different layers I, I call them and with a wild horse you go straight to the core because they are the core you know this is so fascinating uh, just this, this is so amazing yeah so um the 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 more troubled horses are the ones that have been abused by humans more over the years or mistreated or just misunderstood yes um or something about the way they've lived and interacted with humans has been so bad that they become more troubled mm-hmm. but if you just take a pure wild horse mm-hmm. and you build a relationship with it Right. Then so much more is possible because they don't have to undo all the layers of mistrust you got and it. anger and issues. You got it. You got it. Um, so I can see why that would be easier to work with. Yes. Um, I mean, on the, on the one hand, it's easier. But on the other hand, you have to be very careful as well because you have to be really careful not to overpower them because a lot of people, they are too pushy. And with those wild horses, you have to wait. You have to really wait and, and be patient but um, you also have to – this is what my mentor Don in Oregon, my, my, my trainer, he used to tell me. He said, don't sneak around horses. Just be normal. Just be normal. Don't make a big issue out of it. Just be there. But on the other hand, you don't have to if, – if you're too – if you have this overpresence, a lot of men have that. They are very, very present and a lot of wild horses, they don't take that too well. They're, you know, then they take off and, um, yeah, escape. I think that's good advice for, for meeting women as well or for, for building rapport with women. I think that that's right. that works well as well. That's right. Don't be too pushy. Yes. Wait. Be patient. Right. And, you know, just be normal. Don't sneak. You know, don't be overpresent. Um, I think it's the same, actually. Um, meeting, if it's meeting women or meeting men, meeting people, meeting horses. If you want to build some kind of a relationship, some kind of a connection with a person or an animal, it's you. It's actually it works like that. It's um, it's how you approach someone. You don't want to be in their faces all the time. You don't want to be too withdrawn. You want to be present but not pushy. I mean, there's this happy medium. And like I said, with the horses, it's so amazing because they they mirror you one to one on one. There's no um, they, they don't do you a favor. You know what I mean? 
they're just the way they are. They don't lie to you. They're just, they're always telling the truth. Which is why I think there's this new, I don't know, I'm sure you know about it because you're you're the horse whisperer here, not me. <laughs> but um, there's a, a, a very big popular movement of, of equine therapy, which I haven't tried, mm -hmm. but um, because this idea that horses don't lie, horses mirror you, mm. um, people can be, you know, I think there's this therapy where people are being around, my understanding, I've not done it, so this is just mm. me trying to reflect back what it is that I think that I learned. Okay. Is that um, that people are brought around a horse and then the way the horse responds to you can show something about the energy that we bring to the table because we don't it's, our own energy is not something that we're necessarily aware of that's right and, and again going back to neurolinguistic programming and one of my favorite mm -hmm. concepts from neurolinguistic programming and this is me a little bit heady but what they say is the meaning of any communication is the response you get mm -hmm. which is a little bit hard to explain but um the idea that that by seeing how another person responds to us yeah. we get a better sense of what it is that we communicated in the first place. And then when we see how someone else responds to us, we, we understand, because it's not just what, it doesn't necessarily matter what we said, it matters what they received, not because what we said doesn't really matter. We're trying to communicate to another person. If they didn't receive the communication, then we didn't properly communicate. So the idea that the meaning of any communication is the response you get, observing the responses. And with this, this equine therapy where you're using horses as a mirror, mm. we can learn about ourselves and the energy we bring. Right. So someone that maybe um, makes people nervous, mm. a horse would be more nervous around them. Yeah. And maybe people wouldn't be polite enough to say, you know, you're making me really nervous. But if you go up to a horse and it freaks out, then you realize you need to learn how to calm <laughs> yeah. your inner energy. Yes. Um, which, yes. Because the horse isn't going to lie. That's right. That's right. No, you, you explained it perfectly. That's exactly the way it is. And, and the point is, and this is so, so interesting to me, like, the horses, they don't really react to what you do. I mean, you can, you can learn certain techniques, but if that what comes out of you from your core, if that, does not, if that is not in alignment with what you do, then horses get confused. You see, you may do the very, the, the right thing, Everything looks from the outside. People watch you. They say, wow, that looks cool. Wow. But the horse doesn't react. It's the energy. They react to the energy. So in other words, just so that I make sure I understand, um, yeah. there'll be a rider mm -hmm. and the rider is on the horse and they move the reins the way they're supposed to or they have the posture they're supposed to hold. Mm -hmm. And so it looks from the outside like the rider is doing the appropriate thing. Right. But if their inner energy isn't, isn't correct or isn't aligned, yes. then the horse is going to be confused, even though from the outside, it looks like they're doing the right thing. So it's not some sort of outer movement that the person needs to change. It's an inner disposition that's right. that the person needs to start working on. And that's what the horse reacts to. It's, it reacts to the intention, actually, to the energy behind what we do. So this is actually my work to teach people that they get their intention and their energy in alignment with what they do. And the more it is in alignment, the more you are centered and the better the horse can read you, the clearer you come across and the clearer you come across with people. So then you don't have to train on you and watch yourself all the time and step out of yourself because you're just, you're just lined out. You know what I mean? 
I, I really do. And I want to hear more about this. So for anyone listening who has no idea whether or not their um, has no idea how their energy is resonating, what are some suggestions you have or what are some what are some takeaways that anyone can apply or think about? I mean, the thing is that a lot of people probably listening to that podcast um, don't have a horse. So maybe they have a dog. The dog could mirror them as well. But if you don't have a dog and you don't have a horse, just look at the people who surround you. Look at the feedback people give you. Look at how they mirror your back. This is actually um, like what you just said before. They tell you how what you radiate actually i mean when i mean you know those people they they keep complaining about all those negative people in you know in their environment it's like oh there's that person he always uh, he's always negative and there's this other guy he's he's a creep and you know it's and then you ask yourself it's it's in a way strange that that person keeps attracting these people right so that's also a sign of his energy because there's a lot of people, they say there's a lot of happy people out, out there. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. Uh, there was a time in my life where I would have not understood this conversation at all. Uh, I would say it was probably mm -hmm. before I started reading books by people like Eckhart Tolle. I, I remember mm -hmm. when I first, um, in his, in one, I think the first book I read by him was called, uh, it was the, whatever the, the power of now or something like that. And I yes, remember yes. when he talked about animals, or I think he was talking specifically about mm -hmm. dogs, but maybe he meant also, maybe all, maybe it was all animals. And uh, he called mm -hmm. them the keepers of the presence or something like that. That if you, mm -hmm. um, that, the, that the dog, that, that animals sort of have that present moment awareness that um, That's they're right. not stuck in their heads. And before then I was stuck in my heads because that idea that you are not your mind was not a concept I knew. Mm -hmm. So I was always in my mind. I was never stepping back and sort of observing mm -hmm. the world from a curious place. And, and really, because in order to see how someone mirrors you back, you can't be in your head. You really have to be standing no. in a state of curiosity and receiving. That's right. But the idea of of being curious enough to observe someone else's energy is the thing itself that would, that curiosity in and of itself forces us to stop our mind and really be present just to receive and to look and to not be projecting our own mind onto other things. So even just right. that, that act alone of seeing how are people mirroring me back, just that alone will change our energy for the better. At least in my own life, I've learned no, that's absolutely true. And with, with horses, um, I, can, I can really say that, I mean, when, when Eckhart Tolle says it's, they, they, they have the, what did you say? The, they're in the, the keepers only in of the, the present, presence. the, keeper the of keepers the of the present. And, yeah. and this is with horses, the same, they are in the now and this is it. So if you want to help a horse get over trouble, over trauma, over whatever, you have to be in the now. And it's like, the thing is, when you're working with people who own these troubled horses, you find out that the owners, they are sometimes just even more troubled than the horse. And then it's, you know, just imagine a horse that doesn't go on a horse trailer, has had a bad experience and says, 
I'm not going to go into that horse trailer if my life depended on it. I'm not going to do it. And then this owner, a lot of times, I've seen it a lot of times, they, um, they say, you know, this horse had a trauma. It's very scared. And um, I know that this horse is really scared and he just doesn't want to do it. And I feel so sorry for the horse. So they actually keep reminding that horse all the time because the horse doesn't have that thing in his head. Oh, right, because I mean, the horse is in the present. The only person who has anything in their head is a person because humans are the ones right. who have thoughts. There's no – another That's thing right. – I forget who said this, but I love it. There is no stress in the world, just people thinking stressful thoughts. Maybe that was Wayne Dyer where I heard that. Yeah. There's be. no stress in, in nature, just people thinking yeah. stressful thoughts. That's right. So that makes sense. The ho- the trouble – the horse isn't having – so you really don't think that the horse remembered, sees the trailer and gets triggered by the trailer? They might. Well, they – yeah. I mean, if it's if it's a – yeah, if it's a heavy trauma, they do have, then you can feel like you trigger certain things and they kind of go back to that thing. I mean, then they, they react with, with a stressful reaction. Like Pavlov's dog, right? You show, you ring the bell, Pavlov's dog, That's right. you ring the bell, yeah. it starts right. to drool. Yeah, so they can definitely be trained yes. to recognize that this is this is where, you know, this is danger. That's right. But when you step into the present, into the now, and you really keep focusing on, I'm going to help you now. And you do not think back to that traumatic experience, even if it was traumatic. And you, you actually pull the horse over. And then it's a lot easier for the horse. So it's a lot of times the people, they keep their horses stuck. Because they, they have these thoughts about those certain things. And they radiate certain energy, which actually stops the horse from from making progress. That's really interesting. Horses are very sensitive to that. Do you work with the owners or do you only work with the horses? Oh, yes. No, no, with the owner as well. <laughs> now, first what I do, I work with a horse just to stabilize the horse. I mean, when they're troubled, they need to be um, kind of solid in a way. You know, they need to know what they're doing. They need to kind of have an idea where they're supposed to go. And when I see there's stability in the horse, then I hand him over to the person. And then I coach the owner through this whole process so they know how to deal with that. Because horses are not uh, push-button machines. And they, especially a troubled horse that is just about to get over his trouble, his stress, whatever it is, they need a very secure person on their side. So, um, it's, so how do you help people to become more secure? Because that's a lot, I mean, you know, humans are really complicated. How do you help a person become more secure? What I do, I, I reward the slightest try. Like when I see that a horse is trying to do the right thing, like take that step or just thinks about taking that step, releases from the pressure and doesn't pull against the pressure but you know let's go I reward that by taking the pressure away and I give the horse a break so I do the very same thing with the person I I build them up I don't say well you didn't do that right you didn't do you sucked here we have to really improve on that I you you would never hear me say anything like that because I know that person is in a very vulnerable state so I try to make that person really strong by pointing out, um, hey, 
you did that great. Did you see the reaction of the horse, how he reacted to you? Did you feel that? And the person says, yes, I felt it. Well, great. Now, then I step them up and I say, okay, now we're going to advance a little bit. Now I want you to ask the horse to do this and that. And when they feel that they can actually get a connection to the horse and the horse reacts, then that confidence builds because they feel they have control. And, and so I actually give them feedback. I, I point out what they do. Um, I make them big. I believe in them. I trust them and they feel it because it's, it's the energy horses feel energy and they know if you are on their side, if you, if you are there for them and not if you're against them, they feel it. And with the people, it's the very same thing. And, you know, I, I work with a lot of women and they are, I mean, not all, but a lot of them are very timid. They are not confident, especially when they have a troubled horse. They're very doubtful. They're very, very insecure. They're very nervous. So my job is to take the pressure away and, and help that person to feel safe by just taking baby steps and to, to let them feel what they just did. And, um, and then it's a, it just almost goes by itself because that person feels there's this inner strength. Because the last thing what I want, I do not want to have um, like joystick students, you know, where I tell them what to do. I, I want them to feel what they have to do because they, they react to the horse and not to me. And they find that out. And when they do, they, they connect with their core, which is fascinating. You're saying at first the owner is very uh, insecure with the horse because she's stuck in the old story. Mm -hmm. And the horse is, is behaving so badly and she doesn't even believe that it could be different. Correct. But then when you come along, you show that with you, the horse could look differently. Yes. And how that relates, bear with me, because I know this is a, hard, this is a funny uh, observation, but with women who, are, um, who have had a lot of frustration with dating, who have been single for a long time, who feel that there's no good women to meet, that, that, that they're... That, that their dating situation is impossible, that love will never happen for them. That's the old story they're stuck in. Mm -hmm. um, what's interesting, you come along and you show that the horse, that you you could have a whole different experience with the exact same horse. Mm -hmm. And I can also point out that a, a different friend of mine can go into the same bar and you know every single night of the week walk out with a new opportunity for love, whereas the other person goes in and, and just because they're so stuck in their old story, they, they stay stuck in that. But, That's right. But it really does come down to trust. And you were talking about how you, know, you trust them, but it really also, you trust the horse, the trust horse can trust you. Yes. But what people need to really do is just trust life and trust the process and and yeah. and really trust that the world is going to provide what we need when we walk around feeling like we're never going to find the love that we want then that's that's the experience that we create for ourselves and there's that insecurity but with more trust we can feel more confident we can feel more in control and then of course everything responds the whole universe responds differently to us women respond differently we and it's because of the energy that we bring if we go into a bar or if we go into a networking event or if we go into anywhere feeling like we're never going to find what we want we're never going to get what we want and that's a story that's inside of us we're going to have a different internal energy than a person who walks in not worrying about it understanding that 
you know, love is inevitable. Life is good. Right. I'm, you know, mm -hmm. people are wonderful and everything that I want is going to come to me. With that kind of an attitude, more can happen. Like you said, the horse, you can't fool the horse. You can no. stand there and do all the right things on the outside. But if you have that different energy on the inside, the horse is going to know. So really, That's right. it really just, it all kind of, it, it's all really the same thing, whether we're talking about training a horse or whether we're talking about finding love. It is the same. It's all really the same thing. Yeah. It is the same. It's amazing how, it's amazing how everything just is always the same. No matter what we're doing, it all kind of comes down to the same basic building blocks. Yes. And, um, and I also think, um, about, about the energy, like when you're asking about how do you get a person feel confident, I think sometimes, I mean, you, you hear that so many times you, you hear that you, you have to believe in yourself. And you, you cannot believe in yourself because you're just stumbling, you're just insecure, you're nervous, you're anxious. There's no way in the world you can believe in yourself. Like exactly like that horse who is insecure, who's who is afraid, who you know, who who is confused. That horse cannot believe in itself because it's too shaky. But if and here comes the energy, and, and I really strongly believe in that, and I've seen it over the years now so so often when there's someone who believes in that horse and if there's somebody who believes in that person and really and i'm not talking lip service here like with a horse like like we just said you cannot fool a horse but if you truly believe and this is kind of like an insider um you just imagine i have a trailer loading horse and that horse didn't want to go into the horse trailer and people call me up and what I always tell people when I, you know, in the first session, I, I tell them, you know what, I think your horse is a trailer loading champion. And they kind of look at me like, no, nah, he's not. I mean, look at him. He's, he's stubborn. He's this, he's that. He's not doing it. No, no. I think he's a, he's a trailer loading champion. He just doesn't know it yet. But I'm going to prove to you and I'm going to prove to the horse that he is. So I do I do believe in that horse. I do believe. And I'm on the hunt for those tiny little changes. And that's all I want to see. You know, just imagine the horse pulls back, you know, showing a lot of resistance. Then you can focus on that resistance. Says, look at that horse. I told you he's a stubborn horse. He's, he's pulling back. He's not thinking about going into the horse trailer. But there comes that second when that horse drops his head and releases for a second. And that's me. Did you see that? Did you see the release? Cool. Wow. We're really making progress here. And you, it's really, it starts with that small thing. And in the beginning, when you're working with those troubled horses, you have a lot of crap, right? There's not a lot of good stuff. But so you focus on the tiny, teeny, weeny little things you have, the good things. And it really works. The law of focus works. It works. It does work. And then so then you have that, then it shifts and then it's, then it, 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 it flows. And then you do have a trailer loading champion and people can't believe it. And, and, and people might say, well, I don't have someone in my life doing that for me. But the truth is that, um, when you learn about building self-esteem, it, it really is the same thing and we can do it for ourselves. And the thing that we focus on are all the itsy bitsy ways that, that we, that we love about ourselves. And what we can do is 
when we have low self-esteem, the first place to start is by noticing all the places where we do like things about ourselves, right? It's that positive feedback you talk about. Because when we're not noticing, when we're not present, it's so easy not to see it. Yeah. But the more we can stop and focus on, you know, I like that I'm a nice person or I like the way that I say hello to my doorman in the morning or I like the way mm-hmm. that I make myself my grilled cheese sandwich or I don't know, whatever. I don't even eat grilled cheese. I don't yes, know why I said yes. that. Yeah, but all the right. little things that we do and if we take the time to be a better horse trainer for ourselves and really yeah. notice those little things. Annie Lala talks about all the different ways that we notice, you know, that we're, and she talks about um, appreciating beauty. So if you look up and you mm. see the sky and it's blue, you could say, oh, I just appreciated beauty. And you can love yourself just for appreciating beauty because we we love a character on screen that's, that's appreciating things in life. And so then we can be appreciative of ourselves for being appreciative. So even if it seems like anyone listening might say, well, I don't have someone like Michaela to come in and um, and 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 be that um, that trusting, you know, validating voice saying, you know, I'm a champion. We don't all have someone else to tell us we're a champion, but we have really powerful minds. And this thing you called the law of focus. If we turn our focus towards all those things about ourselves that we can appreciate, then that's how we build our own self esteem, which is entirely possible. And it starts with believing. That is so true. But what else, what, help, what, what helps as well, if, and I understand that a lot of people say, well, I don't have a person who believes in me. Okay, but you know what you do then? I mean, and that's exactly the same what you just said before about the you, 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 go, you go before. You, you go first, yeah. find a person. You go first. You find a person that you can believe in. And it, I mean, if you really do, I mean, not lip service, that doesn't count. We're talking real stuff, right? And if you find someone, maybe a friend, maybe your neighbor, or I don't know, and you just just send out positive thoughts, positive, positive words, and give that person the feeling that you see him or her. It's sometimes it's just that, and that gives something back to you. It, it's 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 a cycle, you know. I mean, but if you have to mean it, not just saying it for saying it, that's that's of no value. But really, if you mean it, um, then you you get something back. Especially when you when you when you doubt yourself, you find somebody who doubts himself even more, and tell them something good about him or her. And that comes right back to you. And it's not about necessarily that that person makes you a compliment. It's not about that, but you receive a different energy. Yeah, I remember back when I used to be way too stuck in my head to even know what we were talking about here. There was a time when I was just always in my head and running around. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I have a little bit more space in my head, you know, that 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 knowledge that you are not your mind. So mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a little bit more, there's more like presence in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, in New York City, it's easy to get caught up. So I'll be running around and then I'll notice that someone is sort of talking to me or says something to me on the street and it's easy to just be like, oh no, sorry, and then keep going. But I, I really try and train myself to stop and be like, okay, a human is talking to me. And then I go and I look at them <laughs> and I try and just hold space for what the, for the message they're trying to communicate or just be that, you know, be there to just listen. Right. Um, and, and it doesn't even, it doesn't mean that I have to turn around and give them a compliment or anything, but just me knowing in my heart 
that I'm yes. there, that I'm not just treating them like another, you know, another pole in a fence. And that's it. And that this person is receiving the honor of me seeing them. That's yeah. right. That's it. Seeing them and, and giving them the space. Um, that That's what it is. And I think this is what works with horses. When they, they feel you see them, you see their soul. When people feel you see them, then they open up. And then there's a really big chance that you can that they get over the trauma and trouble and stress, whatever it is. I love it. So let's circle back now to the horse as a spirit animal mm-hmm. and, um, and all the things that a wild horse has within it that we also can call upon that we don't even realize we have, that we don't have enough contact with this animal, with these animals to know. Native Americans and, and Aber- you know, indigenous cultures often teach about um, the spirit of an animal and, and, that, and that we all have that inside of us and we can actually tap into to those um, qualities that are sort of universal, like an archetype in some way. We know about the human archetypes, but there's almost yeah. like these archetypes that, that creatures mm-hmm. display. And if we Correct. can tap into that within ourselves, then we can find more power and resources within ourselves. Right. Um, but a lot of us, especially city dwellers, yeah. <laughs> don't have contacts with, we don't really, what, you know, what animals do we really encounter other, other than a cat and a dog and a goldfish, maybe. So, um, so these, these archetypes, these resources, these qualities that the animals possess, we don't know about them. We don't have Mm. the knowledge to be able to access that. And, uh, because I learned from you that, you know, your theory about everyone having within us this wild horse and you've done so much work with horses uh, you're the perfect person to be able to turn around and say, you know, let's talk about the horse as a spirit animal mm-hmm. and all the resources and, and what that archetype is and what the resources within the horse we can learn about and then uh, rediscover within ourselves. Yeah. So you want me to, just to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I really do believe that we all have that. And it's a concept. It's, it's, the, it's a concept. Having a wild horse inside of you is just a, as much a concept as you have that inner child inside of you, right? Um, and it gives a lot of comfort to people, especially to women. And that wild horse, I believe, it just stands for all those um, parts in us that we need to really go out and reach for the stars. I mean, like the courage, like, like the presence, like the, the confidence, like the happiness, the, the wildness, the passion, that's all connected to that wild horse inside of us. And um, I think sometimes it's, uh, first it's just about acknowledging and really knowing and assuming that there is this wild horse in us that every that we have it all because when we assume that we don't have it then it's it makes us pretty depressed but if we assume that it's already there then it's just a matter of where's the right door where's the key and the key i think is just to acknowledge that it's there and then 
allowing yourself what you just said about that person on the street, you give that thought space. You, you just, you just open up to that and allow whatever is inside of you. I mean, we're talking passion and passion is also energy, confidence, um, presence, courage. I mean, these are all those really strong energies we, that make us feel alive. And we, when we send out or set out an intention, like I want my life to have more passion. I want to be more courageous. I want to reach for the stars, but I'm just too chicken to do it. And it's when we do have goals, a lot of times we, we don't, um, we, we don't own those goals because we, we don't take them seriously. And when we, in a way reject ourselves or when we um, ignore our deepest dreams, our goals, then it's that wild horse is locked up. But when we acknowledge what's really inside of us, those, I mean, we all know what we want in a way, like maybe somebody wants to, I don't know, just go on a spectacular trip or wants to, um, buy a dog or I don't know some something where you know that that really touches your heart um, and just open up to that and say what do I really want what does my soul really want and I think the moment we say this is it I really give that give give those dreams those visions space then that passion comes it doesn't come in order for those dreams to show up. You have to open up to, to that deep thing inside. And I think we all have it. It's pretty much the same with, with that inner child that you embrace when you feel sad and when you're depressed, you're feeling for that inner child and you acknowledge that it's there. So that wild horse inside of you is, is that part that has all those attributes that that gets you on the other side. And just the same thing, just acknowledging that you have it and you draw the power from that. And it's like, I know I have it. I know I have it. And then you feel it. It's just knowing that you have it, assuming that you have it. And then it's like that, that horse says, yes, here I am. Here's your courage. Here's your passion. Yeah, I guess it's just because it's, because um, I always talk about believing in love. And, mm-hmm. and then people say, well, how can I believe if I don't believe? So how can you know if you don't know? You just assume. You just assume. You just have to. That's what I say. Just, just because to not believe, then you're screwed. Then you're, in, then you're really in bad shape. People say, I, I, you know, how can I believe I'll ever find love if I don't know for sure? Mm-hmm. Like a flip of a coin, right? Let's just say you flip a coin and it's 50-50 what's going to happen. Now, really, when we flip a coin, we can't affect the outcome. It's just going to land where it's going to land. There's nothing that in our minds we can do to change the outcome of that coin. Mm-hmm. But that's not true about love. If we walk around believing that we're not going to find love, then we're going to affect the outcome of our dating life. We're going to turn women off. We're going to act terribly. We're going to be nervous on dates. That's right. We're going to put pressure on things. We're going to be less attractive. So yeah. unlike a coin, co- a coin toss, a coin toss, unlike a, <laughs> yes. unlike a coin toss, we can actually affect the outcome 
of, of how this is going to turn out based on our belief. And it's the same thing with drawing power from a spirit animal, I guess, like you're saying, if we, yeah. if we can either say, well, I don't know that there's one in me, so I'm not going to be able to assume, but just actually by knowing and by behaving that way, um, by like just making the choice to believe, yeah. uh, we can affect the outcome and let it be there. Yeah. And I just believe when you, when, like I said in the beginning, I, it's a concept. Of course, it's a concept, like with the inner child. I mean, some people say, are you crazy believing in that inner child? I mean, I don't believe in that. I just assume there is an inner child and it's a concept. If it helps you, great. Now, if that wild spirit, if that wild horse inside of you, if that resonates with you, if that feels good, take it and run with it. Then it's yours. But if it's like, ah, what is she talking about? You know, it's not for you. It's okay. It's okay. Don't bother. It's okay. So, um, but I, I, to me, it's, it's a lot about trust. It's, it's a lot about what you said in, in the middle, like trusting that, that everything will fall into place, that, that nature is, is perfect, you know, that, um, and, and the thing is what you just said about, um, believing in love. It's if you, if you make it a, um, um, a rational thing, it's, you, you miss the mark. It's not a rational thing. It's, it's not an intellectual, you cannot understand it on an intellectual level as, as, as much as you cannot understand that spirit horse on an intellectual level. That just, then it disappears when you want to get it, when you want to really understand it intellectually. It's an emotional thing. Or, or with like, or with proof, right? Prove to me that everything's going to fall into place. No. Well, well, I can't prove that to you, no. but if you don't trust, then I can promise you it's not going to fall into place. Yeah, it's sort of required. You you have to have you have to have that positive attitude. You have to have that positive outlook. Otherwise, we're going to guarantee that it won't. Right. So um, there just needs to be some sort of faith in the goodness of the universe. Otherwise, we're going to screw ourselves. Not because there we're going to be punished for it, but just because our own inner response to a a lack of faith is going to cause us to do detrimental things that hurt us. Oh, yes. We're going to self-sabotage. I agree. Yeah. What I just don't want women, I don't want them to doubt themselves all the time because they don't have a reason to do that. They don't have a reason to do that. And if we do, that's where the self-sabotage comes in. So it's just terrible. It's terrible practice. Doubting or self-doubt is, right. is, is a terrible way to go yeah. in general. Yes. Oh, yes. I can really tell you a lot about that. Yes. Yes. It's a big one, yeah. Well, so where can women find you? Do you have a website? Is there something like? Well, the the thing is, there there is a website, but it's 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 in German. So, and there's this Google program you can translate it, but I don't know if it makes sense. <laughs> uh, it's it's a German website. It's uh, it's my name, michaelaköbel.com or horseconnect.com, but it's German. It's not translated yet. I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, private Facebook and my my um, business page Horse Connect. There they can find me. But there's some some uh, some English videos on it and on YouTube as well. I'll have links to all of that below. Yes, perfect, perfect. Great. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for sh for sharing. I'm so glad we finally had a chance to to talk about all these things that we've been emailing about for a while. Well, thanks, Rodana. That was so much fun. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk soon. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this interview, but I'm curious, what of the many things we talked about was the most impactful for you? 
head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and have passionate intimacy together, then there are free resources that can help you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a guidebook for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a quick guide to the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you could fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to find the woman of your dreams faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other queer women that you think could benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, don't forget that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.